Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Tuesday morning, Q&A time on the podcast. I'm going to start off, before we hit the 25-minute mark, Chris Anderson, with a question for you. Okay. Did not tip you on this. I'm afraid you would bury me if I gave you a head start because oh, God. this might be that easy to answer, but it might also be that fun to talk about. All right. Quarterback recruiting. Mm-hmm. Not going to ask you about a pecking order or who you like, not what the Mountaineers are thinking or what you would advise them to do when it comes to the identity of a player or players. Long has the plan been, the tradition been, the execution been to get one quarterback. I wonder why you wouldn't take two this year at West Virginia and perhaps many more campuses in college football. We only cover West Virginia specifically. We know a lot about other teams and other schools and other conferences, but our expertise is here. I like the idea. I can argue it. My hunch is that you probably do not like that idea. You're a one-a-year guy for reasons I'm sure you can explain. Well, I think, oh God, if you could take two, go for it. But I just oh. don't. I, I mean, I just don't think you're going to get it. I think it, it's it's just like the situation where you say for the actual team, if you got two, you got none. If you got two, I think if you get two recruits, I mean, obviously one of them is going to be gone, like probably within a year. And with the way the scholarship cap is, the hard cap at 25 per class, do you want to, I don't want to say waste the scholarship, but use two scholarships that you know are for one spot and and you and you're out that scholarship for at least a year, maybe two years. Um, that's tough. And I think for a lot of these quarterbacks, you know, I mean, it it they literally look at their their schools that they're interested in, and they say, nope, that school's already. I, I'm not even going to look at a school that already has a quarterback, and they're just moving on. So I think the quality of quarterback. And that's not just West Virginia. I mean, heck, that that's like oh, every single school, Ohio State, Alabama, like quarterbacks are, are like just no, no, no. I, I'm I want to be the guy. And that's that. And yeah, I'm sure Alabama or Ohio State and stuff could, could take two. But it's going to be one of those situations where one's a clear five star and then the other kid is clearly not. And I think that's really the only way you can get two in a class is if they are um drastically different and i think in specifically you know kind of perceived talent level that that the big five-star kid doesn't want to go with another five-star kid and maybe you can get a five-star kid or a four-star kid and then an unknown kid who just has a chip on his shoulder and thinks he's better than he's being given credit for i think that's the only way and that's extremely rare okay um this is not quite the standoff i thought it would be i like (laughs) everything you said there and i understand the the need to get it right, which means you have to get one. And I'm with you on that. Have to have none. That makes sense. I guess my thing here is that this is going to be such a unique year. And we can talk about this in a second in that there's going to be a rush and kids may be committing in a hurry. So you might get one. I'm not saying you get two on the same day or same weekend, but I think, do think that people will be really eager to get a spot, but also, and you could get more into this too. The, the recruiting of the position is so specific, not just having them on campus and getting to know them and seeing them throw and, watching how they go from drill to drill in a camp, not just, you know, how they spin the ball, but how they handle themselves and react to mistakes. There's a whole bunch that goes on to that. And you get that in person, which is going to make June extremely interesting here. But also, I think that there's not as many clearly identified candidates. 
And I wrote about this in my three things. So if I'm repeating myself, you've already heard this. Sorry if you're not familiar with it. And here we go. Like you have your obvious group of guys, capital G guys, that everybody in the nation knows about. Cream of the crop. And you have like one or two like very acceptable layers below that you do know about or you've identified that who are good quarterbacks. Like they're, they're going to be on your campus and they'll start for you or they'll give you depth or they'll make your team better. Those are good guys to have. You don't know how they're going to pan out, but when it comes to recruiting, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting those guys, targeting them, making priorities, bringing them in. So one clear level, then you know two or three below that that people are going to differ on. Like maybe Alabama doesn't have any interest or need to look at the very acceptable levels, but if you're not Alabama, you got to get a quarterback. You have to look a little further, a little deeper. So the guys, the capital G guys, they're going to be the same. We've known about them for years. People have seen them on the circuit in the summer before the year that wasn't in 2019. Everybody knows who they are. That next level or two levels, there's not as many because you couldn't watch them in person. You couldn't have them on camp last year. What film is there to evaluate? But there's still that same group of 130 FBS programs that need a quarterback. So they're all fishing from the same number of ponds, but there's fewer fish in there, which means that I feel like there's going to be more misses. There's going to be more reaches. Um, And sometimes to strike the pinata and get the candy to come out, you got to take more than one swing. That's quite a metaphor there. But if you don't know as much about people, your quality of knowledge isn't great. I wonder if like increasing the number of quarterbacks you take increases the likelihood to get it right. You got to get it right. And then the other thing is it's such an important year. If you have a gap year in quarterback, that's really dangerous. Now West Virginia isn't necessarily in that spot. Daigie could be around next season as well. He's definitely here this year. Then you have Green and Crowder. But I don't know. What if Crowder leaves or what if Green leaves? Um, And you don't have a quarterback or you didn't get it right in 21. That's a problem. So it's a dynamic I hadn't really thought of. I started thinking about how crazy June is going to be and how much of a priority quarterback is, but definitely will be in June. And if you can pull it off this year, it just feels like this is the year to get two because you have more chances to get it right if you take more chances on quarterbacks yeah i think in the mailbag last week he didn't make the pod but i answered it in written form someone said, hey is it is it really that important to get a quarterback this class because daggy could come back and green's pretty good still a freshman yes it's always that important always 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 i don't care what your situation is um quarterback can change in an instant and you always want the best one possible, no matter what. I mean, we, we we talk about this all the time, and and Neil Brown seems to have that same mindset because, remember, he, he brought in Austin Kendall when he first got to West Virginia, sampled him for a while, didn't even make it to the first game, didn't even hardly made it through the first spring, and was like, hey, Jared, Peggy, come on in, let's go. And, and you always have to be recruiting quarterbacks and trying to get the best ones in i don't care what your situation is currently i don't care what the depth chart is if you have a quarterback out there that you think can make a difference you have to get him period and it's always that important and to your point about this year this is gonna be it's gonna be crazy june's gonna be just bonkers with quarterback because it's it's may it's the first week second week of may the first week of may or the first day of May or something like that, I did a story on the quarterback situation and the targets and what's the latest with each. And wrote that story, named a couple guys, talked about a couple guys, and within three days, I think, uh, the staff had extended two new offers 
and two other player quarterbacks had set visits to come up and camp and throw for the staff. And it seems like they are going to be, I mean, there's obviously, there's always kids that just show up, but right now we have five kids that are 2022 quarterbacks that are FBS caliber that are planning to come up and throw for the West Virginia coaches, like in the first couple of weeks. Uh, one, I, uh, I'm going to have Nico Marchial, Marchial, mm-hmm. uh, the Florida State commit. I don't know if he's camping, but he's visiting. And it, I, it's going to be weird. It's going to be, it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be tough conversations, if it's going to be a first, first come, first serve, what's going to go on because, you know, we got, there's guys that are going to be coming in on, on June 1st camping and they might want to commit. And is the staff going to say yes? Or are they going to say, can you wait till the Florida State kid comes in? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be some tough conversations because there's some good players that are coming in there and they're coming in at different times and going to be doing different things. Some camping, some just visiting. And uh, I'm very curious to see how the staff handles that. That's the other dynamic, too. It's competitive among the quarterbacks, but the coaches really have to be on top of things, too, because maybe or not now, but maybe later is not the answer they want to hear because those kids are going to be in a rush and in some sense so are the schools too um and it's it's really interesting and the rules are all different here but i when i watch west virginia go through a spring and talk about how many players can play multiple positions on the offensive line defensive line linebacker secondary there's a way there that they're thinking about compacting scholarship numbers at a spot you may normally get x number of safeties well why can't it be x minus one for a year or two to get a position of need, which could be quarterback, it could be, I don't know, an extra running back, whatever. But I just, that seems like it's part and parcel here. They're, they're thinking too. Um, Chris, do you know the last time that West Virginia signed two quarterbacks? Let's not count Kendall and Nagy. Uh, what was the kid's name? The year that the, the Johnson kid from Texas was on the team, uh, in the class, right? Because he was a quote unquote athlete. Or was it not before? Quite that far back. Oh, okay. Uh, 2015, Chris Chuganov. Ah, yes. David Sills. Oh, that doesn't count. Okay. Although, I guess, well, no, that was the first time David Sills got recruited, so he right. was a quarterback. Year before, William Crest, mm-hmm. Skylar Howard. So, they've done it, not conventionally, which makes me think about the portal again, too. I'm not sure there's a laid-out junior college quarterback or anybody like that who moves the needle. Howard was kind of just an afterthought. They, If I remember correctly, they took a spin on him because – um, they liked his talent, the fact that a running back could play quarterback and he had big hands. Um, that was the nicest thing they could say about him until they saw he got out there and he could play pretty well and they needed him at one point and they put him in and he was good. Um, but junior college player, again, perhaps a count ahead transfer makes sense. If it's someone who's different, like it doesn't have to be high school, high school, there would be nothing wrong with taking the, I don't know, a junior college player who you know about and like about, or a transfer who gets to the spring I don't know. He's running around this summer. He's trying to figure out where all these high school kids are going to go. He takes his time and, you know, like a Daigie, for example, commits late. And then he just counts ahead. Like, they don't need him this year. So they could use him for a scholarship for next year. You're not technically bringing in two this year. You kind of are. Um, but actually, would be bringing in two for the, the upcoming class because he would count ahead, right? Right. I don't know. Just an idea. Like, a, and then because I've ranked all these portal things here in all 10 of my head, and I swear I could jumble them in any order apart that I had, and it would make some sense. But the one on quarterback just seems like that's the queen on the chessboard. It can move 
any direction, whatever rules it wants, just because you, you have to have it. So something certainly to watch about. And as you said, the quantity of quarterbacks will be on campus, but also the quality of too. That'll be significant. And and watch that portal. There's there's guys in there every day or every week that weren't there before who look like they're going to have a chance to play somewhere if they find um, the interest. And I don't know why the interest wouldn't be there from schools that have the room but also have the need. Yeah, I again, we've seen it before, so I, I would never rule it out. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like there was much indication. I'm trying to rack my brain. I, I'm getting older. My memory's going. But do you recall that that spring, you know, two springs ago, uh, when spring was done, that first with Austin Kendall, was there talk throughout that spring football season of, man, our quarterback play stunk. We still need to find another. Um, I, I don't really recall that. I feel like it was just like, yeah, Austin Kendall's kind of our guy. And then next thing you know, Jared Dagey's visiting and, and has an offer and is looking into transferring. So, I mean, coaches always play stuff coach close to the vest, and I, I just don't think you're going to hear Neil Brown come right out and be like, you know, it'd be great. Another quarterback, a really good one. That'd be awesome. Like, he's just not going to say that. You know, you hear the coaches be like, as you noted previously, like all every position coach is like, hey, you know what I'd love? Another safety, another linebacker, another lineman. You're not going to hear Sean Reagan be like, hey, you know what I'd like? Another quarterback, a really good one. Um, so it, it's I never, ever rule it out, ever. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Something that again, all these all these cards are back in your hand, especially you, Chris, about all these things you have to think about and look about and how you play. Um, that comes on the recruiting trails that's that's approaching pretty rapidly. And then once it's here, it's speaking of rapid, it's gonna be I, I'm what, what do you think? Like garden hose recruits here? <laughs> it might. I would say one of the questions in the in the uh, mailbag this week is how many do you think how many recruits or commits do I think there'll be by July? And you know, it said July 1st. Give, give it those first few days of July because uh, as someone whose anniversary is the last couple of days of June and I often like to take vacation around that time, I can tell you that uh, like a lot of those come in that first week of July because guys, they, they finish up that can't season and then they take a few days to think about it. So if you extend that out to like say mid-July, um, I think you'll see, what are they, five right now? You, you'll see easy double digits, like no doubt about it, double digits, maybe like, 12, 14 already in this class because I think there's going to be a rush of it. And that's that's the way it's been. And I think that's the way it's going to be where the staff is going to fill out this cross college football, not just West Virginia, but um, fill out like 75, 80 percent of the class of, of the high school part of the class. Remember, transfer season is going to be a whole different thing moving forward. But 75 or 80 percent of the high school commits in each class will be done by, you know, uh, August, you know, because the high school kids want to get it done before the start of their season, too. A lot of them do. Yeah, annual thing. Um, I'm trying to find the Bud Elliott tweet that you mentioned the other day. Um, yeah, is recruiting slower at West Virginia? Uh, whatever. But pretty much everywhere. First 10 days of May in 2019 which was a unique year but also not unique in that there were 130 commits in the first 10 days of may 27 in the first 10 days of may this year and this is when everybody's eager to get back out and do recruiting stuff that the coaches ultimately hold the power and then again like that's the thing i mean how many of these how many could they even get to 130 and know what they were getting this year no chance right. which is going to make the whole on-campus thing uh super competitive a lot of other a lot other try this again Many more <laughs> recruiting questions uh, 
submitted by subscribers may answer them here. If not, Chris, you will answer them in the written form of the mailbag. That'll be out sometime after this here today. We're not going to go 25 minutes. We're barely going to do 13, Chris. Let's jump in. Uh, there you go. Actual questions. Reasonable answers. We'll see. Yeah. Come from subscribers. Nothing is off limits, although we do get to pick the topics that we like to address. I'm ready when you are. All right. Uh, let's start with, let, let, let's stick with quarterback for a second. This one's from Omaha year. It's just up near the top. We're talking quarterback. So let's knock this part out real quick. I'm just going to pick the one of his two. Uh, what is a scenario other than injury where we see Garrett Green at quarterback this season? You want to start? No, nah, this is you. This is, this is your favorite topic. There, there's not many, but I've kind of thought of one that I don't, I'm not going to predict, but it's kind of the pathway that you would, you would think. Um, and I don't, it's not, I'm not saying it's possible, it's impossible, whatever. But if you look at their schedule, if they go to Maryland and lose, they should pummel Long Island. Garrett Green comes in, plays really well against Long Island. Which he should do, right? But so should Daigie. Right. They lose to Virginia Tech at home. You go to Oklahoma at one and two. I think you might see something there. But do you toss that? Because that, hey, you and I are thinking along the same path here. Because that's how I started when I was thinking of my scenario. And then I was torn. Do you toss Garrett Green into the fire at like number two, Oklahoma. Well, here's my thing. I, I don't know. I, I would not. But I yeah. think you may see something there because they lose to Maryland. They ho-hum Long Island. And I, I don't know, win or lose against Tech, but it's going to be at home. And let's just say that Gary, Garrett Green plays somehow at Tech. Um, I, I don't know, but let's, that's kind of massageable there. If he comes in and plays and they lose and he looks okay, that's going to be hard to say no to. If he comes in, he plays well. They beat Tech. They're two and one. He's got momentum. I just, I think those first three games could could produce something. Now, I think that he would play against Oklahoma. I'm not sure you could ask him to start there, but like that might be a really really big moment in your season there. Um, if you go one and three, you got the toughest team in the Big Twelve out of the way. I get that, but then you still got two more weeks where you have an off week. Are you going to wait two more weeks to to start him? I don't know. So I I would be really curious that they're one and two. Does he start at Oklahoma? I don't know, but I think that, moreover, he might play a lot at Oklahoma, and then that Texas Tech game is when you make your change. You're back home. That's a team you should beat. Um, so, again, that I'm, I'm talking the first three games, extending it into the fourth, but I think that there's a reasonable scenario. scenario. They're one and three. They're two and two. He's played more. He's played well, and he's your QB1 on October 2nd at home against Texas Tech. Yeah, I could see the Texas Tech thing. And, 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 and we saw in the bowl game that, Neil Brown's not afraid to 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 pull his man if it seen again, and he noted it, and he was so correct. It was the same thing. He was correct because it was what I was thinking. Uh, was yeah. that it wasn't the throws from Daigie in that bowl game, but the fact of him just staring at defensive linemen as they're rushing right at him and just panicking. And he said that's why he pulled him. And and I think you know if Daigie has that issue again, I. I'm not entirely ruling out like a, you know, Hey, maybe West Virginia's two and one, but Daggy's got three bad fumbles um, and, and getting sacked. And, and again, I think the only thing I'm torn on is 
do you want to throw Garrett Green in against Oklahoma in Norman? And and, and that's why I'm with you. I think it, it, regardless of what the record is, I think the earliest possible time would probably be Texas Tech there in uh, Game Five. I'll talk um, to the side. What do you think about playing Oklahoma first Big Twelve game, fourth game, fourth weekend of the season? Like that's apart from it being at home, that's a I think that's a pretty good situation for West Virginia. Yeah, I feel like Oklahoma and Iowa State, which West Virginia plays kind of in the middle of the season, um, both of those teams would seem to start out slow as the year, and then and then build up as the year goes on. So I think you would much rather play both of those teams as early as possible. And, and like you said, get Oklahoma, you get Oklahoma first month, first big 12 game. So that's, that's good news for WVU. I would think. Well, Iowa State's going to lose to Northern Iowa in the first week of the season, <laughs> but they go, they start in a row um, home against Northern Iowa, home against Iowa at UNLV at Baylor, Kansas. They're going to be probably five and zero, right? Yeah. They yeah. could be four and one because they might lose one of those first two, but they're probably five and zero. but before West Virginia at Kansas state, that's, I just have a feeling that might be tough. Uh, and then Oklahoma, and they come into West Virginia with Texas next. Like, I just think that's a good spot for West Virginia, too. Like, those are your two big teams. You got to beat one of them to, if you're going to be something this year. Ideally, both if you're Neil Brown, but those aren't bad spots in the schedule. Yeah, I agree. Um, next question. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Speaking of the offense and wins and the schedule and everything, just a, a quick. Let's give it a quick number. How many points per game does WE's offense need to score to get to eight or nine wins? Do you know what their points per game was last year? I had to look this up. I was surprised. Uh, what, something in 23? 26 yeah. and a half. 26 and a half. Okay. That's up from 20.6. So they're about a touchdown better. Could they do that again? I don't see why not. Um, I really think you got to be near like 35 if you're yeah. going to make that jump from six and four to eight or nine. So if they can go up another touchdown, I think they have a chance. The only thing is that they went from 28.8 points allowed to 20.5. Um, 20, 20.5 is probably going to go up a little bit. Right. Which makes me think that like you may have to be better than 33. You may have to be closer to 35. I would aim for 35. I think that would be because I just think, again, I think the defense could be very good. I just think that, you can't pencil them in for 20.5 points per game again. It might come up a little bit, which means you're going to have to score a little bit more. So a touchdown plus a nudge up a little bit too. So I would say if they could get you eight, eight and a half more points per game, get you to 34 and a half, 35, I think that's probably pretty safe when you're talking about what you would have to do to win eight or nine games. not saying that 35 a game wins you eight or nine. It probably should, but I think that eases your worries a little bit. Yeah, uh, to put that in perspective, say 34 and a half points, <clears throat> that's 23rd in the country. So it's 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 good. It's a good offense, um, but it's not absurd. And I think you can get there. That'd be third, 23rd in the country and third in the Big 12 last year, speaking of last year's number, and slightly ahead of Iowa State, which was 32.9 last 27, year. 2017 was 34 and a half, um, and that was Greer throwing the ball to – Jennings, Karan White, David Sills, Marcus Sims, pretty good attack running the ball. Uh, Crawford, McCoy, Petaway. Trouble was their defense allowed over 30 a game, too. So that was a problem. So it can happen. Um, This one's from Macon Bacon. 
how do y'all look at rival schools? Do you dislike them as much as the fan base? Do you look at their recruiting rankings and ask how they recruit so well or so poorly? Uh, <laughs> probably not for me to answer. Um, I don't have a dog in this, too. I'll compare, like, Big 12 teams. Yeah. Um, really hate them um dislike them whatever but i'll I'll see how they're doing probably when it comes (laughs) my recruiting rankings would be like finances and facilities and how much they pay coaches and things like that um probably just so i know like how i can compare west virginia to the things i cover maybe different for you because of the things you look at chris but um for me i don't i don't really have a i can't stand marshall i can't stand Pitt, or i'm jealous of what penn state or i'm jealous of what ohio state's doing that's not really not my cup of tea there but i certainly appreciate the question i think it's a good way to look at it well maybe i'd be looking at like other websites other media companies and how they do stuff that's probably a better question right yep i say i did you're not going to get anything from me i mean my i say i got family that went to marshall family that went to Pitt, family that went to virginia tech i don't have thoughts on or about their programs positive really or negative uh just kind of keep track of them what's going on you know again like uh pit I don't, I don't know what's going on with uh up there too much. I mean, I keep track of how their team's doing, who they're recruiting. A lot of obviously crossover on the recruiting trail between those programs with Tech and, and Pitt. Not so much with Marshall, but uh, aware of those guys. So, yeah, I don't really think about it much. And, and then in, in the media industry, as far as I'm concerned, with like, especially with recruiting, like at 24 7 Sports, like I am hoping and praying that all of those sites are amazing. And the people that work there are amazing because the better they are, the better product we can provide, you know, for our customers. So because hmm. uh, we all work together, you know, I, I like uh, again, I, I have do a lot of crossover stuff with like our Penn State site. Like we share information, um, you know, he keeps an eye on things that, that like recruits that West Virginia and Penn State are recruiting shares with me. I do the same with him. Same with like UVA and, and Virginia Tech as well. So it's it's good to have good rival sites. Uh, on the network and media guys. So no, no thoughts there. No great dislike for any program, really. It makes me think that it maybe it's something we should look into more because what what's better than angry subscribers, right? But if we know <laughs> what they're angry about, we could stoke that emotion and figure out, man, we could certainly take this one advantage our rival has and right. point out that West Virginia is not doing enough or isn't good there. Then we're going to have people mad online. We buy a beach house. <laughs> we might might be able to that's what um, people do now so we should do that yeah apparently uh, uh this question comes from i've never understood how to say this part is this mtrn musket man mountain near musket man maybe um when looking at your target board and knowing a legitimate what it, would you say is the biggest recruiting position of concern as things stand at which position are we going to struggle to find quality guys i'm Opening this up to interpretation for you because you have done the transfer portal kind of power rankings, which mm-hmm. positions of need. So if if West Virginia had one scholarship and they could add one really great player for let, let's let's stick with the transfer for this summer right now and then we'll kind of look look ahead. But one scholarship, one scholarship only, and the player will be good this year does that change your power rankings what's the number one spot this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, see, that that's the thing here. That's what's so fun about this. We're also frustrating about this because... Again, if you get a legitimate like all conference power five starting quarterback, yeah. All right, well let, let's rule that out then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no quarterback, no quarterback. Yeah. So uh, to my my answer then is probably what my answer is here because I think about we're talking about what would most benefit the the team, right? And mm-hmm. I think that every position can go by as is. With I don't know, I would have less less and less confidence going toward the top, but that's kind of the point. Um, except linebacker. I just think that that's that's the one they got to get a mic or a will to figure this out. And a guy who's an impact player, who's a starter quality player, not a guy who's going to come in and give you depth, but a guy who's going to be like Tony Fields. Could he do that? Can they find a guy to do that? And I think that's that's why that was number one. That's why, as you and I know, they're looking for guys that can be impact players um, and, and come in and play. And I don't know if it's a mic that moves Josh Chandler to will. I don't know if it's a will that keeps Josh Chandler at Mike, but I just think that that's a big one there that would make a lot of sense to do. Um, to do some damage to other teams' offenses because they, again, I think they have a chance to be really good on defense. I think it's been slipping. I don't think that's an unreasonable take. You know, you lose three starter quality players, three starters, you're going to take a step back. You are. And then you also, don't forget, Fields and Stills, arguably your two best defensive players from last year also aren't here. So five of your top 11 aren't on the team. You can supplement that with your roster. They've done that, but you're going to have to go outside. They haven't quite done that yet. I think they're trying. Charles Woods, we like. Um, Lance Dixon, I don't know where he plays. That's kind of a fun thing for me to think about. But, man, if I can get a guy that's a no questions asked, Mike or Will, that would be it. They might, they might have that with Dixon. I don't know. You can fill me on that a little bit. Uh, the other answer, and this is maybe where you can debate me on this, I think that you would think about wide receiver, but the more I come back to it, I would feel a lot better about things if I had a starting left tackle who can go in and who could play 500 snaps would be my number one for 12 starts in the regular season. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm ready. It was something I wanted to ask on the board the other day. I wanted to throw it out there to everybody. So maybe we'll throw it out here and I'll put it on the board. But right now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make you answer this question. Mm. Do you think, and I'm asking, I'm asking this for a reason. I'm not just thinking this up out of the blue. Do you think they were sampling Doug Nestor at left tackle? One, you know, for just to get some more consistency over there. No, nothing against Brandon Yates. He, I mean, he was a friggin' freshman last year, so he, he did extremely well for, for his age. But in part to get some consistency over there, but also because Jordan White might be one of the five best offensive lineman on the team and they're trying to find a way for him and Moore and Nestor to all be on that line at the same time. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a guard, right? It just seems to me like it's not going to happen. I mean, committer yeah. looks like he's going to be okay there. And then white, it's just, if it's, if it's not now, it's going to be soon for him. I think the question is, can you play that red shirt freshman there? I don't know. Like it just seems like there's a chance for him to play tackle. Could it be right? Could it be left? That's probably something they're going to think hard about during the camp. If not, if not before then, I think that's certainly a possibility. I would love to know what they really think about Yates. That's the one guy that didn't move around. Everybody played left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle. Um, they're going to play Nestor on the left side in the, in the, in the camp portion of the preseason because they want to see what they have there. 
the one and I guess you know Gamitter played left guard, didn't play tackle, but he also played center. Um, same for White, didn't play any tackle, but played center. Yates was left tackle from day one to day fifteen, and I couldn't tell you how he played. Going on the scrimmage stuff, I saw it looked okay. It didn't have an issue, but I mean, he did kind of let guys bend around him. But maybe that's a good pass rush for the defense. Don't know. I'd like to know what they really think about him and his future because you're right, uh, young, but certainly you can see the gifts are there and the talents there and the potentials there. But do they wait? Where do they put the best five out there? And that just happens to be with him being the sixth best guy because he's not their best left tackle. Yeah, I just I just think there's a scenario here, and I don't think it's that far. You know, it's not that far fetched of going left to right of Nestor, Committer, Frazier. White and more. Mm. And I, I don't think it's, again, it's just something because uh, I think everybody, everybody's been high on Jordan White. And that's something that, that we've discussed even when he was at high school. Because uh, for, for those who forgot, I know some guys, you, you kind of forget their story after they get on campus and redshirt for a year and stuff. But he was a guy that was going to be a four-star All-American national recruit. I mean, he had an LSU offer as a sophomore in high school. And then tore his ACL, missed his entire junior season, and kind of just fell off the radar, and everybody forgot about him. West Virginia swooped in, got him, and he's been talked about right away as somebody that, that and, and you know, you usually don't hear of offensive linemen making an impact right away. Like Zach Frazier, that's extremely rare. And so for Jordan White to make an impact pretty much right away and is consistently being talked about, and they keep rotating him around. I mean, I just feel like they're trying to find a way to get White, Moore, and Nestor on the field, maybe at the same time, but a lot consistently, like almost like white is like that sixth starter or is a starter. However you want to look at it. Moore's the guy that people probably, they hear his name. They go, really? Cause you think about Milam coming in. Nestor's been on the right. White's on the right. They have a bunch of guys and more in that, that group of five, maybe six. You're thinking that what's, I haven't seen a lot of him. That's one of the names that people told me last year was probably most, um, sidetracked by not having the spring because he had, mm-hmm. he'd done pretty well toward the end of that, that year before. And they had ideas for him. Is he guard? Is he tackle? But let's put him out there and play him a lot. Like we'll play him a bowl and we'll see what he can do. And he just never got a chance. And then once he got into the season and got, I don't know, the spring equivalent of the season under his belt, he started to take off and he got playing time on the right side and was moving people around and making plays. And he's there now. Like, so it's, it's coming together for him and it's a good problem to have too. So that's, that's one that makes sense to me. Uh, can I ask you about Dixon though? What do you do yep. with him? Because he's got the Mike body and the Mike pedigree, but he hasn't played a whole lot of Mike. I know he played his snaps there, but um, yeah, he's big. He's 6'2", 220, but his his background as a safety and a running back, and by all accounts, everything you read about him, agility, athleticism, twitch, speed, things like that, you yep. tell me that guy can't play Will? Like, uh, I understand he's built like a Mike, but why can't he play Will? Like I think they have a, a chance to either, he, he could be the backup of both, he could start at one or the other, but I don't know what they do with him yet. I think, I mean, I. he's got a different body. He's got a different body than Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, a very different body. But I do believe that, you know, you could line him up at will because I think he does have that kind of downhill speed where he can get in there and, and make plays. And you're right, he's, for the most part, his snaps last season, 155 of his 191 snaps were in the box. And the vast majority of those were, a what's called is strictly inside mm-hmm. so it's you're just not seeing him outside linebacker types only nine 
snaps all of last year out there. So you take a year off or two years off from from playing a certain style, playing a certain position. It's kind of hard to kick back into that, but he does have this the the speed and the athleticism that I think he could play out there if they wanted to try that. I, again, I think you just have to make that tough choice of which which way is best of of Dixon or Dixon at Mike and Chandler at Will or Will Chandler at Mike and Dixon at Will and what don't forget about extra low who has been solid and and is very capable of playing Will and like you said maybe Dixon just backs them both up especially to start. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that might be tough to do coming in, but think of Fields. Fields wasn't a Mike at Arizona, yeah. and was the Mike last year. I mean, like one of the best linebackers in the Big Twelve, so they can do something there. I just think that's, but he's going to play. And the other thing is too is he's got four years, so it's not like they have to have him in the right spot right away. He's a guy that it's a great addition because he has time. He's not a one year guy, but also he's going to grow into something because of what he does this year too. So you can experiment with him and make him better by learning both positions or. You know, knowing one but playing the other, that's, that's a really good asset to have. I like that going forward. Uh, the other part of that question was was for the next class. And we can look at it as transfers and stuff, but what's most important? And to give you a little refresher, here are the guys listed as seniors on the roster currently. Remember, some of these guys could come back for another year because of the, you know, 2029 counting. But Scotty Young, Taj Alston, Isaiah Esdale, Cowan, Lowe, Adai, Daigie, Hughes, Stills, Chandler, Sean Ryan, Letty Brown, Jackie Matthews. It's got to make you cringe a little bit. That's a lot of lot of talent as a senior, Mike. So, so what what would you say, high school or transfer, is the most important position for West Virginia to be recruiting? Don't and don't say quarterback uh, okay. for for twenty twenty two. Yeah. So look at those names again. The only guys who are absolutely not coming back are Mahone and Adai, right? Right. Austin can get a six year. If he wants, because he's lost, he redshirted once and he lost a year. I mean, two full years. It turns out. Um, can the Young come back? Scotty Young. His, yeah, I think he can, right? Because last year doesn't count for him, right? Yeah. And he played three years at Arizona. I so no, no, that would be it for him. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a number of those guys who who can come back. So you, I, 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 I just keep coming back to this. I. Their, their receiver core just isn't very good, and they haven't recruited a lot of them. They brought in guys this year, and they moved the defensive back right away. Prather is good, but you know, Ryan's a senior. Esdale's a senior. Are they both going to come back? I'd have to see them have like really good years that point them toward the NFL. I'm not sure that happens. And then are, are you sure that Ford Wheaton and James are your answers this year and then next year? And then just, again, just only signing Prather this year. Outside bodies you kind of need, and then you know their inside bodies, they're they're really trying to make things happen there too. Like Malashevich is probably going to play. I don't think that's a bad thing, but like that's how low they are on scholarships here because they have Smith. They move Sam James inside. Esdale's outside now. He can play inside. I get that, but um, I think they're they're we're not talking quarterback. They have a good thing going on the offensive line. Running backs they brought in two this year because I think they know they could be thin, and then defense you could argue all of them. I think I think the linebacker is important because they only brought Jacory Hammond in this year. But, again, Dixon's there. He helps you. They're just not big on numbers there. So, again, I don't want to say the same thing, but it could be linebacker. But I just think that receiver and especially wide receiver, that playmaker, take the top off out wide, you know, X or Z, that's a guy that if they could find that one, that would be a priority for me. 
Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're going complete opposite directions here because I had two in mind and neither of them were the ones you picked because I think it's okay. defensive line and safety. I mean, okay. you, a defensive line, I, I I have a hard time picturing Austin stick around. Stills, I mean, Stills is already on record saying that his plan was to go to the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. So I would say he's almost certainly gone. And that's two That's two of your likely, maybe maybe likely starters. We'll see what goes on with Austin. But I think you still need to rebuild those bodies. They're already talking about adding somebody this time around, and they haven't yet. So I think that's a spot that's going to be very important. And then safety. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what it, I'm trying to remember how you phrased it. Uh, it, it was very old until it's very young, uh, you know, yeah. all the seniors, and then there's not much behind them. I mean, Davis, Davis Mallinger arrived in January and was immediately in the two deep. And he's talented, but if all it takes to be in the two deep is walking onto campus, that's not a good sign. Um, and you're going to see almost – Certainly, you know, Mahone, Adai, and probably Scotty Young, all gone. And who's stepping up in those spots? I mean, is it is it – and then you've moved, uh, you know, Jairo from safety to Will Linebacker. So you're really thin at safety, really thin at safety. And not just thin, but not going to be a lot of experience for 2022 – unless something goes wrong this year and some of those younger guys get thrust into uh, a bigger role than they're planning. Kay Martin, mm-hmm. Davis Mallinger, St. McLeod, Aubrey Burks. And that's role right now in the safety room, right? Yeah. Next year. Ooh, that could be tough. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, I'm looking at that right now. There's no other answers there. And they don't have anybody coming in. I mean, I didn't put them higher on mine because we probably should devote a whole podcast to the top 10. But it just eh. did they move a corner over there? I'm not sure they're so deep a corner, but they could do something if they signed a corner. Um, and then they have Burks and they have McLeod coming in. Those are depth guys, probably not going to play more than their four if they do. Ooh. But some sort of a stock in there, too. But I just. I'd like to have playmakers on offense, but you're right. I mean, to the same extent, if you don't have somebody who can stop the playmakers on defense, you're in trouble too. Those are that's a good question. And they got they got some work to do too, because they haven't really addressed either one of those any spot we're talking about, they haven't really addressed as of yet, right? Yeah, nope. Um you wanna switch to basketball real quick? Got a couple of good basketball ones in here. Let's all right. This one's from Unreasonable Doubt. He's got two of them. Let's let's go with the quick one first. Over under a half. How many incoming freshman guards will average 10-plus minutes a game in the 2021-2022 season? This is so hard because the answer could be two and it could be zero. <laughs> <laughs> and we might not know until July 7th. Um, right. So give me over. I think Kobe Johnson's got a chance to give you 10 minutes. But that's that's kind of a big number when you talk about a roster that may have 14, 15 people on scholarship too. But um, – the answer might also be zero, but I'll have some fun and say one. All right. To put that in perspective, uh, Jordan McCabe, 11 minutes a game last year. So that's what you're shooting for. Yeah, right. Jordan McCabe's role this past season. Um, now, is that Keydrian Johnson in, in the McCabe spot? It could be. Uh, Curry's going to play. Malik Curry's going to play a lot. Right. But again, that's two. And what are we doing with the other guys? Don't know. I, I like Kobe Johnson's game. So, I mean, Wilson looks like he can play too. But 
Johnson's probably a little bit more all around. Is that is that a good way to say it? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a good question. Yeah, as I say, I, I'm I'll go. I feel the same way as you, but as in, I, it could be two or it could be zero. I don't know if it's going to be one because it can, it all depends on what McBride and Sherman decide to do. Again, I don't think McNeil's uh, gone, but I just don't see it. I, I don't really see one of those guys taking up that many minutes. So I, I'm going to say zero, okay. but I feel it could swing in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, what's more likely? Taj Thweet being Jalen Bridges' backup, another reach into the transfer portal for Jalen Bridges' backup, or three guard lineups when Bridges is off the floor? Yeah, I'm glad Josh asked this question because we have spent a lot of time writing and talking about what they do with scholarships. And we've mentioned that if you look at what they have and what they've done, they don't have another Bridges. And I need to clarify that. Obviously, Thweet's on the roster, but they have not added from the portal like they have at the 4-5 or at the one, two. So I hope that makes more sense. We didn't forget. I didn't forget at least that he was on the team. Maybe, maybe you never got this blowback back that I did, but people kept saying, what about tweet? What about tweet? And I was like, yeah, I know he's there, but you're saying they don't have one. I meant they haven't as of yet added that way. And if you look at what they've done, adding guard, adding big, adding big. Yeah. They haven't added a three yet. So that's what I meant by that. I think that he could be a shooter because he does shoot like we saw that when he was in games he was not exactly in a lot but he was not exactly shy either and he took perimeter shots so that's in him and and i think that was a part of the game that they thought he could develop when they signed him too he's got the body he's got the mentality you can tell some tales about that um he was very quotable during recruiting right so he's got that he's got that jersey in him. that's great and that's going to help him play bigger than he is can he be a four sure bridges can be a four why can't he be a four but that's what i'm saying he's not a four by size but he can be a four by might by will and the skill is probably there too i think that that's probably their plan is to play him as does the number two there as a backup and get some minutes there um the actual question though is what's intriguing me here because do they go out and they get that person that they as of yet have not added through the portal or do they use their glut of guards and play guard 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 big big instead of guard guard forward 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 that's interesting to me um the answer is probably a little bit of each, I would think. You might see Tweet factor into that as a backup bridges. But because they have all these guards, they could play three. They could play four guards if you're going to have someone big down there. They could play the two bigs that are different, I think, with three guards. How big do you want to be? Don't know. So I think my my answer here is that they'll probably go into the portal to get somebody. But I wouldn't be surprised if they also use Tweet at the three and if they play three guards at a time. That's that's what their roster is going to allow them to do if they do, in fact, go out into the portal. So weird answer, but my, my answer would be a little bit of each. Get, go to the portal, play tweet, but also have the ability to play three guards at once. I think this is where I say they, they use their glut of guards and go three three guards so that I can hedge on my under mm. of the freshman guards not playing 10 minutes. Yeah. But I like tweet, man. You mentioned it, the attitude. I think when we when we saw him out there, this season and it was very limited i mean what nine games in a total of like 20 some minutes so it's not like he played a lot but there was one game and i'm trying to remember which one it was maybe it was uh oklahoma state i think he got put in there for a handful of minutes and the team was like plus seven in like five minutes with him on the court and now again that's obviously not all him but he brought in energy 
and some athleticism that I think they desperately needed at that time. And I could see his role expanding. The only question I have is how consistent is his outside shot? Because if he just ends up being like a, a, a shorter, slightly more athletic, like Gabe, you know, like, like he can't shoot outside of 10 feet on offense. I don't know if you can go with two guys who can't play on offense at the same time. And so Mm -hmm. if he can expand his shooting and maybe it's good, it it wasn't bad in high school. Um, but the majority of his stuff in high school, which he should have done because he was just so overpowering of everybody was driving to the hoop and dunking on people, grabbing rebounds and putting back up strong. But if he can expand that outside shot, then I could see them just rolling with him behind Bridges, and, and I think they'll be just fine. Good one to think about here. That's a good question. Yep. Um, anything else from the pod or the from the mailbag that you wanted to answer on the pod, Mike? Anything that stuck out to you that we haven't already touched? Well, I understand the interest in the the scholarships for for basketball. Um, I don't. And again, we could talk about it next year too. I just I just don't know yet. It's going to be a weird waiting game until they figure out who they have back and and what they need to fill so that's and it's gonna it's gonna be a while if they have you're probably looking at another month until you know at least some of the guys that are back because the combine starts i forget maybe the the 18th of june something like that they'll know a little bit beforehand they might know already i don't know but whether or not they're invited the nba says hey if you don't get an invitation go back doesn't mean you will but that's kind of their advice so if if mcneil and sherman don't get invited they're going to be told to come back to school. It doesn't mean they will, but that's the advice. And then if they stay in and they go to the combine, they don't have to come back until the July 7th. So that's ugh, that's frustrating, I'm sure. But which makes you think they even add anybody. I don't know. That's a, a strange part about that. So I'm not dodging that question. I just don't know that there is one answer right now. There's just so many contingencies out there. That'll be, I don't know, hard to, hard to figure out. Um, I did have one question from Rebels52 that was good. Okay. Um, and it is kind of dovetailing a little bit too, but it seems that West Virginia has had problems recruiting quarterbacks out of high school that actually become a starter at West Virginia. Um, it seems that the portal has been what's kept the quarterback position afloat. What do you believe WV would need to do in order to garner more success from the position, either recruiting wise or developing them? The last time a high school quarterback started a game at West Virginia or a high school recruit was for Childress. Which is amazing, right? Because yeah. he gets hurt, pops his peck against Maryland, lose thirty-seven nothing, and then from there it's Trickett, Howard, Greer, Kendall, Daigie, Allison got a start in there. Like it's all transfer quarterbacks. That's a remarkable streak. I'd love to know where that ranks nationally. Is that a problem? I don't know. No one's giving back the Will Greer years, right? And Howard did some good things. Like he gave you good games and good seasons. So. I'm not sure that you're better in either one of those situations. It's certainly not Greer, just because you had to have a high school quarterback. But is that healthy? I don't know. I think it's like, do they have to be better? Because on one hand, you could say they've had good quarterbacks there. So haven't been high school guys. How much of an issue is that? How healthy, unhealthy is that? That's a great conversation. I'm not sure I had the answer, but I did like the question. I just didn't have a great answer for it. But what do they have to do to have more respect, better results? So they get the best players in the portal where they actually get players from high school who can play on a college campus. I think we, I think we would need to compare that to all the other schools to really have an idea of that. Cause he's right. And you're right that it's been a long time. It, it's strange that it hasn't happened. 
that they haven't been able to develop anybody or or get anybody in there. But I think part of that is just uh, you know the immediacy of the position, the the need to have it good now. You can't wait on it. Uh, very rarely are are like, hey, we'll toss a quarterback in there and let him take his lumps and and develop him that way. Develop him, get him game reps, and let him learn and get better that way. You kind of just want to have the best one out there. And that's just the way college football is. And that's why a lot of schools, I mean, even the best of schools are, are using transfers as their quarterback, uh, Oklahoma. They've had, you know, led by Jalen Hurts from Alabama and then uh, Ohio state, Justin Fields, uh, one of the top draft picks in this past draft, he came over from uh, Georgia. So guys are changing positions all the time. And I feel like the quarter position is quarterback position is so important. And, it's so complicated. There's so much that has to go into it that there are only a handful of guys that really are ready for it early in their careers. And those are really the only high school kids that are doing it. And, and the power five programs really can't just wait for a kid to develop over two or three years and, and figure it out. They got to go out and find the guys that are ready right now. It's too tempting. Yeah. Because you have 65 power five schools, let's say, um, there's going to be quarterbacks out there who can play. And if it's there and they want to come to your school, do it. Like, look at Ohio State's depth chart over a period of time. Like, they didn't need some of the guys that they took. Like, they had Joe Burrow, right? And they kept taking guys. And Burrow went to LSU and lit it up, right? That's crazy, but that's what you have to do. It's not like that everywhere I get that. Um, the good part of the question here is, is what do you have to do developing them? I, I Listen, you're going to have to take younger players, and you're going to have to have an infrastructure. And you're going to have to have, like, similar to West Virginia, your Monday night football, your Friday night football, where those guys have a reason to keep playing and practicing and studying. Like, you may not get in the field. You're not supposed to be on the field this year. You're a year away. You're a year away from being a year away, one of those guys. But you you have you have a structure in place that's going to develop. You're not going to be just sitting there holding a the clipboard. You're going to have practices. You're going to get worn out. Like, you're going to throw a lot of passes. You're not just doing scout team stuff. You're running our offense on Mondays or Fridays or whenever. Um, and you're you're getting akin to game action, scrimmage action, because we want you to be our QB one in two years, in a year. But you got to follow the plan. But that means you better have a plan in place too. There has to be some sort of a developmental structure in there if you're going to have high school players who, here, frankly, are not ready to play true freshman year, maybe redshirt freshman year. But when they get some experience, some maturation, physically, mentally, full go. Don't cover the break. Let that guy play. There's got to be an infrastructure to do that. That's probably a critical, critical thing that the best programs have. Yeah. And again, it just that quarterback position is such a thing where you upgrade that and more than any, obviously any other position, you upgrade that with one addition and you can go from, you know, five wins to nine, Mm -hmm. eight wins to 11. You know, you're making that leap with one change and there's no other position on the field to do that. And I think that's why I know that's why, uh, you know, colleges are so impatient about it and that's why they go out there and try to find the best guys possible. And it's why so many quarterbacks are transfers in today's game. I, I didn't forget, but I didn't, you, you mentioned Joe Burrow. I mean, we just listed off like a bunch of first round NFL draft picks for championship level teams, teams that are in the college football playoff. Like, so this isn't like a, you know, second or third tier of power five, woe is me problem. It's, it's not a problem. It's just what everybody does. That's just where quarterbacks come from now. What happened to JV football? <laughs> Get to, 
Uh, what did they call it? Was it Monday Night Football at West yeah, Virginia? Like, they used to play like Hargrave. Mm-hmm. Play a couple like local like Division twos, whatever. Like there was a way to do that. You don't even see that now too. But like yeah, just a, something that gives them a season outside of the season would be a good way to get your quarterback going. And probably your other positions as well, I'm sure. But like that quarterback, you, you got to play to get better. And if you can play while not playing, um, that's that's probably the best way to get that development. It's a really good question. I mean, it's it's like the problem, the solution. Uh, again, you could write and talk plenty more about that. Uh, we've talked plenty already, Chris. You have more to write about that. Um, Upcoming on the site, anything you want to tease? Yep. As later today, <clears throat> we'll have the uh, mailbag up on this, and then I'll also be doing, you know, recruiting rankings, looking at where they are on the depth chart. Uh, got another uh, buzz recruiting buzz article coming Wednesday morning. Some new offers going out. We we'll have stories with all those guys, and later this week, I'm going to circle back on the quarterback position again. I think it was a week and a half ago. I wrote, "Here's what the latest is with quarterback." And then over the next 48, 72 hours, new offers, new visits, new players all the way on the radar. So um, things are changing, and I, maybe that'll become a weekly thing. Who knows? Hey, good news, Chris. You know how like Office Depot was doing that thing where you can have your vaccination card laminated? Uh-huh. Oh, that's true. You can go in and laminate it for free. Uh, I got my recruiting guy card laminated when I was here the other day, too. There you go. We talk, so I'll be there. I hope you're ready. We got, we got a lot of them in June. Can't wait. Uh, hey, I caught up with Charles Woods. I think people are going to like his attitude. Um, I, he's he's not messing around. He's here for business. He's got two years. I think he wants to play one and be in the NFL. He gets to do two, sure. But he's he's coming into play, and his story and his background is pretty interesting. If you look at the conditions upon which he left Illinois State, that guy's not afraid to come in and, and stir things up in a good way. Um, he he kind of told me that he's, he's at a certain level. He can do things because he knows he's valuable and he's not wrong. It sounds conceited, arrogant, whatever. Read the story. I think you'll like it. It's probably a really good addition. And then, um, yeah, I'm going to be trying to scooping up things we haven't gotten to. Kind of slow this time of year, but I was looking back at what we were writing about this time last year. I'd rather write about nothing <laughs> in this environment than nothing in the environment of 2020. Is that okay with you, Chris? Uh, that is perfectly fine with me. Yeah. Although I did enjoy arguing with you about the best uh, basketball team of the 20th cent- 21st century. That was mm. good. Yeah, that, 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 that was about those. this time last year, I think. We can dust those off. Those are always good. Yeah. As long as you don't mind losing some of those battles. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Mike Kazazin. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.